announcement. If you need a card, Wes is passing them out, uh, maybe Everton. Just hold your hand up if you need a card, and they'll get one to you. And uh, I'm going to talk for maybe just a couple of minutes here, and uh, then going to begin to take the initial questions. Let me just say very quickly, we've got a good number present, and uh, we're glad for the visitors. I know we have visitors here. We're glad you're here. This is a little bit different format this morning. Um, in which, obviously, I'm eliciting questions from the audience. Uh, our subject this morning is the church. Uh, the church, the Church of Christ. And any pertinent question as, about the church, uh, its organization, what we practice, etc., etc., you feel free to ask a question about that. I won't guarantee I know the answer, but I'll do the best I can with it. And we also, if you notice above me, we're trying a new little gadget that we picked up, so hopefully... Uh, I don't mess that up, and when I get a question up here, I stick it under the light. You'll actually be able to see the question, and uh, then I'll do the best I can to, uh, to answer it. All right, do we have any questions yet that you want to turn in? Anybody wants to turn in? Are we still writing them? We're still writing them. All right, let's go back to this passage that Ekong read for us a moment ago while they're uh, gathering these initial questions. Look back with me, if you will, at Matthew 16. There's a lot that's packed into this passage. One is that it has to do with purpose. When we look at Jesus, let me say it like that. Let me start by saying it like this. If we look at various religions in the world, all religions have some leader. There is someone that people look to as the leader, as the organizer, as the person that started the religion or whatever it might be. The difference in Christianity at least, is that it claims, and we certainly at this place believe, that not only is Jesus the, the organizer, the one who started the religion, etc., but Jesus is, in fact, God himself. When you look at this passage, Jesus does approach his apostles and begins to question them, whom do men say that I am? Well, they, people had, the Jews had different ideas. A lot of them thought he was a prophet that had been raised from the dead. John the Baptist had been recently killed, and they thought perhaps he was the resurrected. I mean, this is just people at large. Maybe he's John the Baptist come back from the dead. Or one of the prophets. He's very similar in many ways to the prophet Jeremiah. So a lot of people thought perhaps he was Jeremiah. Well, who do you say I am? God the Father had revealed to Peter the confession that he makes here, and the confession that he makes is, in verse 16, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we're looking for to come. But more than that, just not just a leader that we're looking for, not just someone we anticipate, but you are the son of the living God. And then Jesus goes on to say, it is on this basis that I build my church. We're talking about someone that organizes a church based on the fact that he is the son of God who came to earth to do just that to establish uh, his law, his will, to establish a group of people who then serve him. Any questions, guys? Um, anybody got one ready? Hold it up, and they'll collect it. Looks like we got several. So, But again, final word before I start answering the questions. We are looking to the Son of God who came to this earth with the express purpose of starting the church that would in turn worship him. All right, I'm just going to take these in order as I get them so they won't be uh, in any order doctrinally. All right, first question is, how important... Yeah, okay, I got it, I got it. How important is the name of the church 
if what is, um, if what is practiced when we follow Jesus' teachings. How important is the name of the church, uh, you know, depending on the practices and so forth, but how important is the name of the church? I hope you can read that. If not, uh, one of the guys can come up and kind of tweak that. But anyway, there's a question that uh, I think came up in when we had our tent meeting out uh, maybe a month ago now. And it is a question that has, most of the time I've been preaching, it is something that brethren have been struggling with, the whole idea of the name. Let me say a couple of things about this. I can say a lot, but I'm going to try to reduce it to just two or three things. One is that, you know, if you come to this place, you notice outside we have a sign. And so we clearly designate, in fact, we have a couple of them. Across the building on the front, there is simply Church of Christ. There is another designation out there. And that's just what it is. It is a designation that is meant to convey or get across to people what we are, who we are, so people can separate in their minds, you know, etc., who we are, what we are, from perhaps another church you might drive a few blocks or even a block, and fine. Uh, when one sees Church of Christ outside, on the building or on the sign, if they are familiar with that terminology, if they were to drive, say, a street over and see the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, those are two different designations, but they mean something. One can clearly know that this is at least a church that is claiming to be a church of Christ, and if you're familiar with that whole idea, then you know you probably have some idea of what's going to be practiced inside the building. Again, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints across the street, you have some idea. Now, having said that, let me say a couple of important things. One is that there is no commandment in the Bible that I know of that says, when you have a building, put up a sign that says so-and-so. No commandment. So could we meet at a place and have no sign? The answer would be yes. Um, Could we meet at a place and have a sign that said something differently? And I've known all different kinds of Signs that were put up, the church meets here, the church of the Lord meets here, the church of Christ meets here, East Orange Church of Christ, or whatever it might be. Could we have any of those things? Well, again, it is left to our personal judgment. Could we say, could we look in the New Testament and could we see other designations? That is, someone has placed a designation biblically. By God, through inspiration, has placed a designation on the church. The answer would be yes. If you want to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for example, you would see that Paul addressed the church of God at Corinth. All right, so a person says, then would it be wrong, quote-unquote, to call this East Orange Church of God, or the Church of God at East Orange? It would not be. But the problem with that is, in this country, People associate what we do. And when I, when I say what we do, I mean what we've done with the Lord's Supper, the singing that we've, you know, we've had going on, the praying, even the preaching I'm standing up here. They associate that with Church of Christ. Is Church of Christ a wrong designation? No. Romans 16, verse 16, the churches of Christ salute you. So it's not a wrong designation, and it wouldn't be a wrong designation to put something else biblical 
on a sign that says, for example, the church of the Lord meets here, or the church of God meets here, or, or even, Hebrews 12, the church of the firstborn meets here. But would people understand that? Would people get that? I don't think they would. And they would have to then go further and find out why we're putting such a sign out there. Last thing I'll say about it, unless I have some other questions that I might. But the last thing I'll say about it is this. The purpose of either one of our two signs or of anything that we do in which we call ourselves the Church of Christ, the purpose is to get across the idea that this place belongs to Jesus Christ. It shows, it designates ownership. Church of Christ in the original language is the exact same as saying Christ Church. Christ apostrophe S Church. Just like if I were to say Michael's Bible, I would say the Bible of Michael in the original language. There is no way to say Michael's Bible besides Bible of Michael. And that's why it is Church of Christ. Uh, a lot more you can say about that, a lot historically, but uh, nonetheless, that's the purpose for why we have the sign, and that's, you know, and that's the reason why we want, or that's the idea we want to con- convey to people out there. All right, in Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, beautiful. In Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, it states, Thy kingdom come. Explain that phrase as it relates to the church. Is the church and the kingdom the same? Short answer to that is, yes, the church and the kingdom are the same. You have to go through a number of verses to illustrate that, but you easily can. Let me throw out a couple very quickly. Jesus would say things like, in Mark chapter 9, the kingdom is coming with power. You would then go over and show the power came on the day of Pentecost. Jesus would say that the apostles were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You would go over to Acts 2 and show that they were baptized. The kingdom is coming, the kingdom is coming when the Spirit comes, etc., etc. And then you would look at Acts 2 and all of that is fulfilled. Then past Acts 2, every reference to the kingdom is that people were, Colossians 1, translated past tense into the kingdom. Uh, We have received a kingdom, Hebrews 12. So when you show all of that, you show that the kingdom is established on the day of Pentecost, but you easily show that it is the church that is established on the day of, the, of Pentecost. They are the same. Now, why did Jesus say, Thy kingdom come? Because it had not yet come. We wouldn't pray that today. If anything, if we were following the exact words, we would thank God for His kingdom who has come. And so, this idea in Matthew 6, sorry, I didn't put it under there. This is new to me. But uh, explain the difference, and is the church and the kingdom the same? They are, in fact, the same. All right, next question, and uh, I'll try to get it under there quicker so you can see it. Can you explain the difference between being a member of the church in a universal sense and being a member of, of, a, of a local church? I think I can. And I'd like for you to turn over with me to Acts chapter... Um, matter of fact, let's start in Acts chapter 2. Let me try to show this as simply as possible. In Acts chapter 2, we easily see that... When these people obeyed the gospel, they were added to a number. All right, so just stay with me on that point for a moment. And you can see that in verse 38. Peter told these people to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. And then if you'll notice in verse 41, 
They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. If we were to go over to 1 Corinthians 12, and you may feel free to turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, if you look at verses 13 and 14, or maybe 12 through 14, it's discussing the body of Christ. But it tells us clearly in verse 13 that one is put into the body of Christ when they're baptized. Now, however, after that takes place, go with me to Acts 9. After that takes place, we make a personal decision. And we can see that with the Apostle Paul. Uh, I won't take time to go through it all, but you can easily see in Acts 9, in Acts 22, and Acts 26, Paul obeys the gospel. In Acts 22 and verse 16, Paul is baptized. But you can see here that Paul, in verse 18, was baptized. Now, if I take Acts 2 and I take 1 Corinthians 12 and passages like that, Colossians 1 we quoted earlier, translated into the kingdom, when Paul is baptized, 1 Corinthians 12, he is baptized into the body of Christ. However, notice later, if you will, go down in this passage, Paul will become a member of the church at Damascus in verses 19 and following. And then Paul will move on to Jerusalem. Notice in verse 26, Saul was come to Jerusalem. And then notice the phrase, he assayed to join himself. That is, he thought to do this. He made a choice to join himself to the disciples. Okay, what's going on there? He's making a decision about becoming a member of a local church. If you go on and you read the language here, there's some dispute. Well, I don't know we want him. You know, he's the guy that persecuted Christians. Barnabas defends him. And then it says that he was with them. Notice verse 28. So, he's baptized into the universal church when he's baptized by Ananias. Then he essays to join himself to a local church he makes that personal decision, as a lot of you have. I was baptized in 1977 and became a member of the Church of Christ on Danville Road in Decatur. Wes would know that church. And then, subsequently, I preached for several different places and became a member just like here at East Orange. All right. Why or how are we different? Oh, I love this question. Why or how are we, are we different than uh, other churches of Christ? And Put that up there. How are we different from other churches of Christ? Well, there are churches of Christ. Let's go back to the whole designation thing. When we put the name Church of Christ across the front of the building, I would assume the brethren who did that many years ago, that the idea was to get across to people of what we were doing inside. That we were going to practice certain things and that if you are familiar with Church of Christ, you'll know what we practice. And the claim would be, whether we achieve that or not, the claim would be we are practicing things that the New Testament talks about when it says this is what the Church of Christ is and does. However, simply putting a name across a building doesn't guarantee that practice. We could, you know, start doing anything that we choose to do and still leave the name up there. So it behooves us then when we see Church of Christ written across a building or on a sign or whatever... It, we need to then go further and go inside the building, if we're thinking of us saying to join ourselves to that group of people, we need to go inside and see what they practice. What we will find, as the question asks, why or how are we different, that we are different. You may come into this place and you may notice that we are taking the Lord's Supper. 
Not every building with the name Church of Christ does what we just did. Some brethren have gotten to the point where they decide that it's no longer important to do this unleavened bread and fruit of the vine like Jesus did in Matthew 26. I have known, for example, of at least one church, and several really, but one church in particular that decided Kentucky Fried Chicken and Pepsi-Cola would be just fine. That is not what we practice here. Other churches choose to start adding you know, numerous instruments to the singing. And every act of worship we do, they practice different things. You can find a Church of Christ literally, or a building with the name Church of Christ, and that's the way I should say it, who practice virtually anything you can imagine. So how are we different? I hope, and I stress this and sincerely mean it, I hope we are different because we really do practice what God wants practiced from the New Testament. And I hope that the attitude here is at all costs that we continue to practice exactly and only what God wants. Why isn't the EOCOC building used for wedding or funeral services? It's a good question. And I will say it like this simply because... I would say the majority of Christians, and I might not be right about that, and I haven't tried to find out what the statistics are, but the majority of Christians would say weddings and funerals are more of a secular, and when I say secular, I mean a non-religious, non-commanded practice than they are, say, a commanded one. Now, that doesn't mean, for example, when you have a wedding that it is not something approved by God. It's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants two people to pledge or to vow their commitment to each other. It does not mean that spiritual things don't go on. They do. Most weddings, well, certainly every wedding I've ever been part of, standing up there as the preacher and all of that, I lead prayers. Sometimes I have led songs. TJ and I did a wedding in which, uh, you know, there were several songs we did and so forth. It does not mean that spiritual things aren't done, but it is the intent. It is what are we intending to do. Some brethren have decided that that a wedding is secular, but a funeral is totally spiritual. Other brethren have said both are more of a secular thing with spiritual overtones, certainly for Christians, but yet still a a secular practice. It would be similar, and it is in many brethren's minds, and and a lot of people that attend here. It is similar, for example, to when we have a meal, and we will here in a little bit have a meal over at my house, and we may gather around the table, and we will pray. And that is very spiritual when we pray. But we all understand the intention, the main focus of what we're doing is to sit down and eat a meal together. And that's not something that's been commanded by God to do in worship to Him. It has spiritual overtones, certainly. We may even have a biblical discussion while we're sitting there. But it is not the activity God has commanded. So, having said all that, we try our best to restrict what is done in this building to strictly what God has commanded that we as an assembled group of brethren do. And certainly weddings and funerals, they're honored by the Lord, they're attended by the Lord, But you may go back and even notice in the first century, while Jesus would attend them, Jesus would honor them, they weren't conducted at the synagogue either. They were conducted separate and apart. So that's why we don't. 
And again, there are different beliefs and, and practices surrounding. All right, I, I need to move because I've got a lot of questions here. So how do churches start now? Do a group of people meet and assign someone to preach? Well, whether they assign someone to preach or not, that's how they start. They begin, yeah, there we go. They begin to meet together. If we look in the New Testament, the first time we see a church starting is Acts chapter 2. And there was one church in the entire world at the time. It started because a group of people obeyed the gospel. But then, because of the persecution and so forth, um, they spread out. They went to other places. And we immediately see churches cropping up in those areas. For example, in Antioch of Syria, where Paul was acquainted. Damascus, we mentioned earlier. And so, it's by choice. We decide to move somewhere. A group of people move somewhere. A group of people go to a location and start a church. Oftentimes, someone is preaching. If you're a Christian and you stray away, then you die, will you go to heaven? And the answer is, I think short answer is the Bible shows us that unfaithful people are going to be lost. I'll connect this one, though it doesn't specifically mention church, but whether you are a member of a local church or not, and you are unfaithful when you die, I certainly would know of nothing that tells us that you're going to go to heaven. Um, there, there's no promise to anyone like that. All right, uh, next question. Can you be saved apart from the church? And then there is a second question. Should the church be oh, run as a business? And thirdly, who, was the, who were the founding fathers of the church of Christ? Well, I love these questions, and let me take them quickly and uh, simply. Can you be saved apart from the church? No. There's no, nothing in the New Testament that shows you you can be saved apart from the church. And understand something, Acts 2 and verse 38, they were saved because they were baptized for forgiveness of their sins. Automatically, the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, baptizes them into the body of Christ. So it is something that happens at the same time. It is not something where I am saved and then I become a member of the church. Now, if you're talking about can you be saved apart from the, a local church, the answer would be yes. I have known of at least two, I believe they were two different, but let me just say I've known of at least one situation where someone obeyed the gospel, I think it was a Monday night, and died before Wednesday night services. Never was a member of a local church, was a member of the body of Christ, obviously, obeying the gospel Monday night, but never had the chance to even go to a local church service and, quote-unquote, place membership. Second question, should the church be run as a business? No. It should be run as a group of people who are following the direction of their head, Jesus Christ. And that's the way it should be conducted by us. Organized and, and conducted. Run, if you want to use the term. Who are the founding fathers of the church? There's only one, and that is Jesus. As Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, maybe about verse 2 or 3, I have espoused you to Jesus Christ. He is the one who has fathered us into the church. Now, if you want to look at the apostles as founding fathers, because they, as I'll say tonight in the lesson, laid the foundation of Jesus Christ, that would be fine. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets as they emphasized People obeying Jesus. Okay. Why doesn't the church um, stand to pray at the beginning of the service? 
Good question, and I can give you an easy answer for that. Do I? Never mind. Okay. Um, you know, I'm an old man. I don't process stuff that fast. No. Anyway, uh, no. So get back to the question. So standing to pray. Let me just answer that simply. Because you can look in the Bible and you can see people standing. You can see them reaching their hands out to heaven. You can see people. Uh, you can see Jesus, for example, standing and praying to God. I think John 17 would show that. Kneeling to pray to God. Luke 22 would certainly show that. There is no prescribed position to pray. Uh, probably the oddest place a person ever prayed was when he was swimming around in the ocean in the belly of a, of a great fish. Uh, Jonah, of course. But you can pray anywhere, in any position, at any time. That is something that cannot be taken away from an individual. Because prayer is strictly done from the heart, in the mind, etc. Can the church of the Bible be given any name we choose? No. It can't. Yeah. Ah, thank you very much. Yeah, okay. So can the church in the Bible be given any name? No, it can't. It needs to be called something that designates it as under the ownership and under the direction of Jesus. And that's why I said earlier, when I was saying things like biblically, church of Christ, church of God, church of the Lord, church of firstborn, not that I'm suggesting that we should use any of those names. But I am saying this, that designating it by one of those names is designating it as they were in the New Testament. Secondly, again, in this country, by widespread practice, if you want people to understand that we are a church doing what we do, put Church of Christ on it. If you put Church of the Firstborn on it, they're not going to understand that. If you put Church of God on it, they're going to understand it to be something different than we're doing. So, reiterating some of that, but I know it is an important question to many. Some church congregations use membership as an opportunity to, quote-unquote, network to grow their personal business. What does the Bible say with regard to God's church? When and where is that action most appropriate? And overall, we are here for worship. I agree 100% with the last thing on that card. That's what we're here for. Um... Do we talk about things that are secular before services, after services? Yes. Um, a lot of us are football, sports enthusiasts. We, at the back of the building, when people are saying goodbye to everybody and so forth, we may talk about sports games and, you know, whatever. Um, if a person wanted to talk about something that had to do with business, I know several people here own businesses. Uh, a number of you are in different professions. It's the same thing. But when we're here, our main focus of when we're here and why we're here is to worship God. It is not to be seen, and I'll seize upon what the card says. I'm not here for the express purpose of an opportunity to build my business or build up my sports team or anything of the like. My main reason for coming to this place, walking through those doors, is to worship the Lord. And that needs to be everybody's main focus when they're here. Um, which doctrine do we follow? God, Christ, or the apostles, seeing, the church, the, seeing that Christ built a new church? Great question. Let me answer it simply. We follow the doctrine of God. We follow the doctrine of Jesus Christ. 
I'll add we follow the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and we follow the doctrine of the apostles. Now, biblical passages, and I'll throw them out there. John 16 clearly shows that the Holy Spirit delivered the doctrine of Jesus, which ultimately came from the Father, to the apostles to give to all of us to do what we do. You can see that in John 16 and verses 12 through 16. So that's the doctrine we follow. Is the church of Christ the only church we must belong uh, to in order to have everlasting life? Well, we have to belong to a group of people who honor Jesus, who follow Jesus, who are under the direction of Jesus. We have to be a part of the body of Christ, which is his body. There are plenty of religions and faiths, and I'm going to talk about all of that in tonight's lesson. There are many faiths, many religions, many groups of people following many different disciplines, etc., in the world, but they are not all doing all those different things they do. They are not all following Jesus Christ. I need to be part of a group that honors Jesus as the head of the one body. Ephesians 4, verse 4, there is one body. Verse 5, there is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. Just as there is one God and Father, one Spirit, one hope. And I need to be part of a group that emphasizes that, that, that strives to the best of its ability to honor that. Uh, should women be preachers or teachers in church in the Bible? This was commanded by the Apostle Paul or by God. In other words, the prohibition of that that we practice here. We'll look at 1 Corinthians 14. And if you will look at 1 Corinthians 14, you will clearly see that Paul will say, look down at verses 34 and 35. You will clearly see that when the church is assembled together, as we are right now, let your women be silent in the church. I think that's pretty clear. I come from a background, a denominational background that did not practice that. And I understand that it is not widely practiced. But I also understand that Paul is very clear here. But when a person is saying, did Paul command it or did God command it? God commanded it through the Apostle Paul. And if we don't believe that, then we don't believe any of this, any of it, comes from God. The process of inspiration, I think, clearly shows us that it did. If Jesus is God, and if Jesus is God... Why is there a different? Yeah, why is there a different at times, even in the Bible? Between, I assume that this question is asking, uh, why is there a difference in the Bible in designating Jesus or showing Jesus to be God? Uh, at times, it clearly shows that. John one, it clearly shows that in the beginning was God, and the Word was God. The Word that ultimately, verse fourteen, became flesh. He was God. He was with God. The same was in the beginning. All things were created by Him, etc., etc. It clearly is showing. When Jesus was asked on the night of the the betrayal and the trial, are you the Son of God? He quoted uh, Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14 and said, I am. Without question, he is God. However, Jesus is also human. And the New Testament and the Gospels clearly emphasize that he is human as well as God. If he is both, then you would have the designation at different times. Is the Church of Christ the only way to salvation? I don't know if I'm going to get to all of them. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to. I'll try my best. So let me try to take them rapidly. Is the Church of Christ the only way to salvation? Jesus' way is the only way 
to salvation. John 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Number two, I was baptized by immersion by a female pastor in my former church. Now I want to become a member of the Church of Christ. Does my baptism at my former church automatically qualify me to become a member of the Church of Christ since it was also by immersion? Let me answer this in a, in a couple of ways very simply. Who baptizes you is not important in, in, in that part of the question. But what you do and the purpose for which you do it are important. I can be the worst scoundrel, hideous, despicable individual in the world, and you not know that. And if you come up this morning and you do what Jesus has said, and I immerse you under the water, you have done what God has commanded you to do. There are no qualifications for the individual that does the baptism. Now, having said that, the baptism itself, by immersion and for the exact and only reason that the New Testament states, they are important. When I was 12 years old, I was immersed in a river. I was immersed because I thought that four days, four or five days earlier, I was saved because I prayed for salvation. That is not what the New Testament teaches. And when I learned later that you are baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, then I did that. A lot of you have done the same thing. So I would say to you that if you want to be a member of the Church of Christ, if you have been immersed for the forgiveness of sins and that alone, you know, then you are already a member of the Church of Christ. But if you have not done that in any sense, That is, you are baptized for an additional reason besides forgiveness of sins, maybe to be part of some denominational church, which most of them include in their baptism. That it is for the... I was taught in seminary. It is for church membership. So if you did it for that reason, that is not what the New Testament teaches. Can you recommend any online resources to locate a faithful church in another area? Yeah, there are a number of them. The one I use, and uh, I know... Several of you, Jules comes to mind immediately. She's used uh, several different ones. I use GoodFight, goodfight.com. You might check that out online. Uh, Different churches teach different practices from either the Old or New Testament. How are we to know which practices, that is, Old or New Testament, we should apply to our... That's a great question. Let me answer it simply. 2 Timothy chapter 3 would tell you this, that all Scripture... Everything written, everything in the New, sorry to say New Testament, everything in the Bible is written for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Follow the whole Bible. That's exactly what I would teach someone. However, just like you might go down to a local lawyer and file a will, and then later your circumstances change, things change, you go back and amend that will. You maybe change certain things. Who you want something to go to, something that you didn't have 20 years ago, you want to add to the will, you change it. When it is changed, follow the changes. That's exactly what you find in the Bible. Not everything is changed from the Old Testament. A vast majority of it is not. Some things are. When it's changed, follow the change. What is the difference between being baptized into the church, the church of Christ, and being baptized into Christ? Let me answer that quickly. No difference. Considering Christ and the church are one, why is baptism into the church of Christ uh, the same as baptism into any denomination? Why is it? Well, it is not. Uh, Baptism into the church of Christ is not the same as baptism into a denomination. Baptism into Christ means to be baptized into his body. 
And again, as we've shown earlier, the decision to become a member of a local church is a subsequent decision that you make following the baptism. Can one break uh, the bond or chain of connection of the Church of Christ from Pentecost if he chooses to start a church of the firstborn or whatever elsewhere uh, with similar practices, doctrines different from um, the nomenclature Church of Christ? Why, would we, why do we choose here than there? That's an interesting question. First of all, my, my question about that would be, why are you breaking ties with the Church of Christ if you're going to have the same practices? That would be my first question. Second question would be this. What is the problem with the nomenclature or designation, as I've called it, uh, Church of Christ? Why would I see fault, find fault with that? I know brethren who do, and I've never seen a valid reason for the fault with it. But what would be the fault with it? And again, C to that whole thing would be if I'm going somewhere and I'm starting the exact same church with the exact same practices and the only difference is going to be the nomenclature or the designation, my point would be why would I consider that a break with fellowship? Now, if you want to ask me further about that, I'd be glad to discuss that with you, and I know there is quite a discussion about it. You say the Church of Christ is a non-denominational church, but does calling yourself the Church of Christ make it a denomination? Good question. The answer to that is no. The designation outside means that this place, building, songbooks, crackers, people, all belong to Christ. Everything here belongs to Jesus. And I need never forget that. Taking the Lord's Supper, if you'll pardon me, I'm going to try to take a couple more of these. Taking the Lord's Supper is one of the acts of acceptable worship. Um, is it elevated above the other acts of worship? Answer is no. I know that a lot of people feel differently about that. I happen to believe that everything the Lord commands. I understand we are personally honoring Him by name and by, you know, according to and in reference to His death when we do it, and that's special. Just as when we're baptized, we are honoring His death, burial, and resurrection. But more important than another act of worship, no. All acts of worship the Lord wants are equally important. If a, quote, shut-in member cannot come to worship, should the members take the Lord's Supper to the shut-in? My views about that come from Acts 20 very simply. And it is that we assemble together to take the Lord's Supper, to break bread, as it's called in Acts 20 and verse 7. If I'm sick and I can't make it, if my child is sick and I'm tending to that child, if I'm whatever, for whatever reason, hindered from being at the assembly and it is acceptable to God, then God does not expect me to be taking the Lord's Supper. But if I can assemble together with the saints, I should do that and honor Him in taking the Supper. Do all, Church of Christ, do all churches of Christ practice the same? As we've said, no, they don't. And the question here is, why don't they? And the only reason I could come up with would be this. Either ignorance, don't know better, as we've all, we've all been there, or just simply don't want to, personal preference. But they certainly do not all practice the same thing. Explain baptism uh, by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a discussion, a different discussion. I'm going to hold that off, but I, I keep all these questions, and I do try to address them in sermons. So let me address... Holy Spirit baptism in a separate thing. Is, uh, is this the same baptism that's needed to be added to the body of Christ? No, it is not. Holy Spirit 
Holy Spirit baptism is not the baptism in Acts 2 in which one is added to the Lord's church. It is clearly baptism in water, as the eunuch did, as the jailer did, as Paul did, etc., etc. The Bible says, sing and, sing and make melody in your hearts. I've observed a few churches of Christ, for example, clapping while singing. Is this wrong in the sight of the Lord? Let me answer that by saying this. We need to just do what God says do. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 does say sing. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We don't need other kinds of songs. That's what the Lord wants. It says make the melody in your heart. We don't need other instruments. We don't need whether they are, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it right now. But if they are formal instruments, that's the word I was looking for, like a guitars, pianos, drums, etc. Our heart is where the Lord wants the melody made. And we really don't need to stomp our feet in unison, clap our hands, beat on the back of benches, and all those things I've done, incidentally. We don't need all... The Lord just simply wants you worshiping in spirit and in truth as you sing the song and make the melody in your heart. Um, that one I think I've pretty much answered. Um, that one... Uh, let me... I haven't answered this one. So why do people wear shirts and ties to church? I heard... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, but seriously... As I, I know a lot of people, and this is how Marlene Smelser, for example. Dear lady, I love her. Uh, I loved her very much. And she said, the reason we dress up when we go to church is because it's, it's out of respect and honor. I'm going to worship to see in that sense someone that I love more than anyone in this world. I want to look my best. I want to put my best foot forward in every way. While I'm not sure that, and I've discussed that with her, I don't know that that's what God commands. I don't know that it makes any difference whatsoever. I certainly understand the sentiment, and I cannot fault the sentiment at all. If the only church you are close to is a denomination, and you have no means of getting to a church of Christ, would it be wrong to attend the denomination, or should you, not just, or should you just not attend at all? Now, that's a great question. Let me answer that like this. If you are in a place, through no fault of your own, but you, if you are in a place where you absolutely cannot get to a group of God's people and assemble together with them, okay, then here's what you need to do. Whether or not you attend a denomination, that's strictly your business. But what you need to do is you need to, as soon as possible, obey Matthew 18 and be with at least one other person, two or three, and gather in the name under the authority of Jesus Christ and do what the Lord wants you to do. Now, if that means you go into a place and you convert someone else and the two of you then establish a church in that place, or it means you come up with the means or the transportation or the freedom, if possible, to get to another place. I have literally my, per my own self without a pat on the back, but I've driven all night long, literally, to get from one place where I was to assemble with the church the next morning, and I'm talking about literally driving all... I got there a little after 8 o'clock in the morning and assembled with the Christians. I think we need to think in terms of let me assemble and worship God and do that first before anything else and any other consideration. Um, answered that one already. Um, I'll end with this one because it's pretty much a wrap-up of, of the bulk of the questions. If you'll notice what this question asks, especially the second part of it, is, this, is the expression of Church of Christ, is that an expression of ownership? It is. 
That's exactly what it is, an expression of ownership. We belong, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are bought, Christ is the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And that really ought to be our first consideration with respect to all of these questions. Thank you very much. You guys are great with these questions. And I thank you very much uh, for, I know we went over a little bit today, and I apologize for that, but uh, quite a stack of questions. Thank you so much for them. If you're here today, you have not been baptized, you have not obeyed the gospel, for the forgiveness of your sins, as we said earlier, and thus you are not a member of the church, we want you to do that. Confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Be willing to repent, to change your life, and give your life to the Lord. And if you're here, and you've done that, and you have strayed, is one of the questions asked, you do want to go to heaven. And if you want to come and ask for the prayers of the people here, we'd love to pray together with you. Please come. Father, stand